today on CityCast Chicago. That's from the documentary Punch Nine about Harold Washington, Chicago's first black mayor. The film begins a week-long run at AMC theaters at New City and Forest City beginning this Friday. So we're revisiting our conversation about the life and legacy of Harold Washington. We talked to one of his former press secretaries and longtime political columnist, Laura Washington. Yeah, ain't no relation there, I asked. It's Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Coming up on the south side of Chicago, whether it was honestly in church, in elementary school, my grandma's house, there was a picture of this guy. And I'm not talking about Jesus Christ, uh, but Harold Washington. It was a prominent picture in the houses I grew up with. And so Harold Washington has always been an icon in my life, even though he passed away four years uh, before I was born. Those pictures on your grandmother's wall were uh, were up on the walls of people all over the south side of Chicago <laughs> during and after and maybe probably even up until today. He, he, he was such a hero. He was such a special person. Coming up, I would always hear that nobody united this city like Harold Washington. Nobody put together a coalition like Harold Washington while simultaneously being told, you know, this is the most segregated city in America, Laura. What does it mean to say that Harold Washington built a real coalition in the city of Chicago? It says something very profound precisely because of what you just said. We are among the most segregated cities. We stay in our neighborhoods and in our corners and we don't work across we don't build bridges, but Harold Washington was able to overcome that. Partly, I think, because it was just the right moment when people were angry enough and they'd had enough. And he was the, the person who was there to step up. And I mean, he was he was a, a profound and, and, and very special leader, but he was there at the right time. People of color in this city were not we were not the majority in the city yet, but we were the outcasts of the city. And we decided that maybe if we got together, Latinos and blacks, if we got together, we could accomplish more together than we could separately. We weren't going to any, in, allow any more of that divide and conquer stuff. And I think also because he had a reform agenda, because he wanted to open up government and he wanted to bring good ethics to government. Uh, as a reformer, I think that that attracted a lot of progressive whites who who saw you know, the, the the Democratic Party machine run roughshod over people's rights and, and over equity in, this, in City Hall for decades. So he was able to appeal to those to those three key parts of the coalition, to African-Americans, Latinos and progressive whites. The bulk of that was African-Americans. If, if the black vote had not been monolithic behind him, he could have pulled it off. Yeah. You wrote that on primary day, February 22nd, 1983, more than 77 percent of Chicago's eligible voters went to the polls and more than 150,000 new black voters registered to vote that election season at a time in which it is, you know, so casual for us to see low voter turnouts. What was it like for you seeing this election turnout uh, during that time? It was it was historic and, and, and it was like nothing else I've ever experienced in my political life. And that includes that includes the election of, of, of President Barack Obama. I was needless to say, we were all excited about that. And that was a, a moment that can, you know, that was a, that was a very special moment. But 
in a city like Chicago, in a balkanized, segregated city like Chicago, where there were so many racist elements, for him to be able to overcome that, for him to be able to get people to, to believe and get them to turn out in numbers that you have, you have not seen since, and to support uh, someone in a, in a three-way mayoral race, to support the black guy who, outside of the African-American community, most voters had never heard of, that was really profound. And it said that anything is possible. It's, if Harold Washington can get elected and govern and then get reelected, remember, he got reelected, which really validated his, that his agenda was, was right and real. That was a moment to, that, that will never be repeated Mm-hmm. Prior to running for mayor, he had served as uh, a prosecutor. He had served as uh, a ward superintendent. He was in the state. Uh, it was a state representative, a state senator and even uh, a U.S. senator. But can you drop me into those conversations, those political circles when the name Harold Washington starts coming up as a potential candidate for mayor? When he ran in 1983, uh, the successful run was the second run for him. He had run four years before, but for mayor, and he had been very active in political circles, particularly progressive political circles. He was a well-known a figure and a well-loved and, and well-connected figure in, in among progressive whites, among Latinos, among uh, the LGBTQ community. The, the people that came together for him in that 1983 race or people, the labor union movement, people who were pro-choice, women's women's activists, those folks that he had worked with them at every level of government before he got to City Hall. All these organizations and leaders have stood up for Harold Washington. They all have different points of view, but they all agree he's best for Chicago. The smear campaign being orchestrated against Harold Washington is unfair, distorted, and dangerous. Join these people and me so that with one voice we can all stand up for a strong and unified Chicago. Harold Washington, Democrat for mayor. Can you tell me, what were the conversations like in your household, like your parents, your grandparents? What, what was the way people talked about Harold in the hood? Well, you know, when he first ran, there was a, there was a lot of excitement uh, about his race because there was a lot of anger, particularly in the African-American community, about the way we had been treated politically over the years. And we hadn't really gotten to the point where we could believe that we could elect a black mayor. And so Harold Washington was a reluctant candidate, and he did not, he, he said when they came to him, when, when many people came to him in the fall of 82, you know, I'm not going to do this unless you could show me that there's excitement, that there's interest out there. So he, he told his supporters they had to go out and, re, I think, register like 100,000 new voters. He told them that he, they had to raise a certain amount of money. And when you do that, come back and talk to me. And I think he thought that they were going to be able to do it. They did. They came back to him and they said, now, are you ready? And he had to accept. So people had to begin to believe. But once they started to believe and got excited about the possibilities, the sky was the limit. You know, I like to talk about my father who voted uh, in that 1983 election. And that was the first time he had voted in 20 years. And he was a hardworking, blue-collar blue worker. He was long, lifelong. U.S. postal worker. Oh, you knew that. You did your homework. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And he, we didn't, and, you know, my mother was a big political talker around the house. He didn't have, want to have anything to do with po- politics, but he stood up and voted for Harold Washington because he believed. How did the Democratic machine at the time respond? They didn't have a clue. They, 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 they didn't pay him any mind. The race is the white power establishment, not just the, the party, but also uh, uh, political activists and the media all thought it came down to Jane Byrne and Richard Daley. 
Those were the two people that really mattered in the race. Jane Byrne was the incumbent. Richard Daly was the Daly family heir, and he was going to be the big challenger that maybe would knock off Byrne. So uh, Harold Washington, in their view, was an afterthought, a third-party pl player, no one to be concerned about. But we knew better in the community, We we because we knew him. The establishment, particularly the, the, the white power establishment in the city, didn't did really know him and didn't really have much to do with him until that race. And so he kind of snuck up and caught him from behind. And I'm saying, feel good about yourselves and vote for one that's part of you. Harold Washington's blood our blood. We don't have to apologize for that. He is the father of our fathers and sons of our sons, and we must respect that. Right and on. don't be ashamed of that. I'm saying blow black because of pride, not because right of racism. Because white folks are one that are racist, not us. Between the campaign and even during his first term, you saw this vitriol towards Harold Washington. And obviously, so much of it is racism, right? You even had city council people coming out, we won't support this black man. But again, this was a, a veteran. This was a long-term politician, you know, a strategist, a charismatic person. What are the excuses that these city council members are giving, you know, why, why they're not going to support Harold? Well, they never, sometimes they said because he's black, but it was more often they said it was about power and it was about control. This council, this 29, who were all white, and I get that, they were all white, uh, decided that they did not want to work with this mayor. They said it was because they wanted to retain the power, but it was simply because he was a black mayor. When will you recognize this? You're out of order, Mr. Dillon. When will you recognize this whole procedure? Is out answer, of order the way you're conducting that chair. I will answer your question. You are not running it in a democratic way, sir. You are not answer. doing that, and your soft words were, were not true, sir. Mr. Vidaliak, I will answer your question, and we will proceed. I will answer your question, and we will proceed. Yeah. It didn't matter what he proposed. It didn't matter if it was something that was going to benefit their own neighborhoods, and there were many times he tried to get forward, put forward legislation that would have done exactly that. They weren't going to agree to it because they weren't going to have the control, and they weren't going to have the power. And I think there was also some fear there, not only fear among the elected officials, but fear among their own constituents that somehow they thought that when Harold Washington was elected that he was going to turn City Hall black. And suddenly uh, black, white people would be you know, pushed out into the hinterlands and then they would have no control, no access to resources. Making a racist campaign. He's got nothing to offer to us. And he's got nothing to offer us white people. Nothing he's not offering us anything. If, if anybody could just tell me one thing that he's going to give us, one thing that would be good for us. When you say us, you mean? I mean the neighborhoods. Neighborhood. I mean the people of Chicago. Just one thing. In other words, we were going to do them what they'd always done to exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, that's what it is. The fear is that they, deep down inside, that fear acknowledges that we know what we have done wrong. We know how we have oppressed. And we are afraid that now that is going to reverse back onto us. Realistically, now, is, does color, would that, does that influence your vote, the color of your skin? Yeah, I think it does. Why? Yeah. I discriminate. What can I say? I do. Why is all the flats? Why does 90- So that was what the, their elected officials were responding to. It was totally irrational. And he made it clear during his campaign that he was about fairness and equity for everybody in the city, 
one of the things he used to like to say out on the campaign trail was, you know, even if you don't vote for me, I'm going to be fair to you. I'm going to go to every corner of the city and I'm going to find you and I'm going to be fair to you. He made that clear, not only in his rhetoric, but in the way he governed. But they didn't want to hear it because he was he was black. We're not taking anybody from anything. We just want a fair share for all the people in this city. Now, I happen to be talking to a black audience, but you understand that I've got to be fair to everybody. And I will be fair to everybody, but I'm going to insist that for the first time, this city is fair to you. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. You know, as, as I've studied, as I've watched, I hear about this charisma um, that, that Harold Washington showcased. But, you know, a lot of politicians got charisma. A lot of them got public speaking skills. Was he more like charisma, corny Cory Booker or more charisma swag Barack Obama? Ooh, I think it was. There wasn't anything corny about that man, but mm. I think I would I would lean more toward the swag. But one thing that made him such a powerful presence was that he he had a he had a bearing. He was you know a former boxer. He had been boxing in, in in his youth, and he knew how to step up, and he knew how to throw out his chest, and he knew how to be counted, and he had this booming voice. I did mo- I did not mourn at the bar of the late mayor. I regret anyone dying. I have no regrets about him leaving. He was a racist from the core, head to toe and hip to hip. There's no danger of doubt about it. And he spewed and fawned and oppressed black people to the point that some of them thought that was the way they were supposed to He had this incredible smile. And and I think that made him most charismatic was that he loved people. And it came across. He was no phony politician that shook your hand or slapped your back because he wanted your vote. He loved being in the midst of people. In the past. You have done so much to make this community a tight-knit, wonderful, productive community. You've done so much that I'm going to get family. You've done so much I'm going to give you all I've got, everything I've got. I wouldn't give it to anybody else. I saved it for you because I want you to have it, every one of you. You know what it is? I'm going to be your mayor for the next 20 years. Laura, we're about to be in the throes of another mayoral election. Now we have our first openly gay black woman as a mayor. Is there anything she could have learned from Harold, either, you know, as she was running or even, you know, started her tenure as mayor? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's interesting because, you know, she's she she likes to fashion herself after she'll tell you that she thinks a lot about Harold Washington, that, that his his vision and his memory guides her in in the way she looks at the city and what she wants to do for the city. And one of the things I would advise her to do is be out with people more. She's and this is probably a symptom too of the the world we live in now in terms of how politicians conduct themselves, where they go, how they travel. She's had security threats. He had them too. But from her perspective, I understand why she's it's sensitive. She needs to be out in the, on the street more. Harold Washington had this incredible brutal browbeating schedule where you know particularly when he was campaigning he would do 12 to 15 public stops every day and i know because i was in the press <laughs> office chronicling all that information and writing all those speeches and writing all those schedules up and he would he was out there he was everywhere not just looking at the candidates who already announced mayoral bids but just kind of looking at the political landscape in chicago do you think it's possible that we'll see a candidate who has the capability of uniting this city in the same ways Washington was able to? 
I think that's possible. I think that Lori Lightfoot has done some of that. Remember, in in the runoff election, she she took all 50 wards, which which means she in in that way she united whites, blacks, Latinos, uh, progressive whites, uh, LGBTQ. You know, every major uh, racial and ethnic group in the city came out for her in terms of the vote and in terms of the support she got. Uh, I think it's. I think she ran not so much on racial equity, which Harold Washington ran on, but she ran on reform. And mm-hmm. I don't know that she's going to be able to do that this time because you can only be a reformer once, and then and then you're part of, then you're part of the problem, right? She might be able to rebuild that coalition because you know it really fell apart after Harold Washington died. That that coalition kind of faded away. There are parts of it that still exist, and some of those parts. Lori Lightfoot was able to ca- to capture, but I'd like to think that by lifetime we could, we could see another Harold Washington bring the city together again because we certainly badly need it. Laura Washington is a correspondent with ABC7 and Chicago Sun-Times. And let me just say, Laura, every time you speak and I have the opportunity of sitting with you, it is such a beautiful history, history lesson. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on CityCast. Thank you, Jacoby. You asked such great questions. It's a pleasure. You can see the documentary Punch Nine about Harold Washington's historic run for mayor beginning this Friday at AMC Theaters at New City and Forest City. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Mayor Lightfoot outlined a $16.4 billion 2023 budget proposal this week, including early pension payments, spending for migrants, Chicago's experiencing houselessness, and out of China seeking abortion. They also got a $64 million increase for public safety and police spending. Budget hearings begin on Thursday. There'll be no postseason baseball played this year in Chicago. The Sox will finish their season at home today and tomorrow night while the Cubs are on the road for their last two. The offseason is sure to bring shakeups on the north and south side, but things are already moving, y'all, as Sox skipper Tony LaRussa is retiring. Street closures around Grant Park have started for this weekend's 44th annual Chicago Marathon. They saying over 40,000 runners going to be out there. For a full list of streets blocked off, check the show notes. And some good news to get you through. The Indigenous People's Day Festival will be this Sunday at the Logan Square Auditorium and Monday at the Old Town School of Folk Music where Native American and Indigenous music and dance is free. But the RSVP, you can check a little link down there in the show notes. I know I sent you down there a couple times. There's some real good things down there. Helpful. Uh, For some more great helpful information, events, news, subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. All right, peace. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. I keep on falling.